G'day everybody and welcome to episode 13 of Expand the Phantom podcast. This is our news and comic uh, episode, so of course we'll be discussing, funnily enough, all the latest news and comics since uh, our previous episode. So of course with me as always is Jermaine. How are you buddy? Yeah, not bad mate. Suffering a bit from the man flu, but I'm soldiering on. Oh no, not the dreaded man flu. <laughs> I've been really lucky this winter. I haven't copped anything yet, so fingers crossed I won't get anything. Yeah, well normally I normally I get it for the uh, supernova dinner weekend. Um, oh yeah. But uh, so if I disappear early this time, it's probably because I've been rushed off to hospital with uh, a severe case of man flu. <laughs> well, let's hope that does not happen. Okay, well, um, I guess we could dive right into it. Is there anything you want to tell the listeners before we get started? No, I reckon let's dive into it. Okay, so we'll start, uh, as always, with the news. So the first piece of news we have is the Phantom's Vault reopening. Now, for those that came in late, um, the Phantom's Vault is an Australian-run business that sells exclusively Phantom uh, items. That's not to say that the stuff they sell is exclusive to them, although some of it is, but all they sell is Phantom merchandise. Um, it originated in the mid-90s, I believe, around the time the Billy Zane movie came out. That's when it first appeared, I believe. Um, but if I'm wrong, someone I'm sure will correct me. Um, and it disappeared, oh, I'm not sure when it, when it closed down. It must have been towards the end of the 90s, I think. Um, I'm not entirely sure on that year, and it's been quiet for a while, but people have been working behind the scenes um, to bring it back, and it has finally reopened with um, a fair bit of merchandise, actually, for opening back up after such a long period of time. Um, Now, Jermaine, I'll let you talk about this a bit because you have uh, a rather close connection with the website. Uh, yeah, so um, with uh, the owner and um, uh, some of the other people that have been commissioned to do some work, which is uh, Glenn Ford, um, and I, I believe uh, one of our earlier podcasts, we actually met the owner, which was uh, Renee White. He did a exclu- uh, quick exclusive five-minute interview at the Phantom Museum, some of the discussions that I had with some fans back then. Yep. So hopefully some people will remember that. Um so, yeah, so I helped them create the site. Um, it's been ongoing for a, a good period of time. With, uh, um, but, yeah, I guess, you know, the, the good thing is, like what you said, is that there's a lot of merchandise out there. Um, a lot of it's, like, leftovers from um, when they, well, not leftovers, but stuff that was available back in the, uh, you know, in the 90s and early 2000s. Um, like some of the things I, you know, some of the things that I enjoyed was the 1999 uh, Phantom calendar poster. Yep. Um, I don't know if you remember that. Yeah, I do. Uh, I've got one of those. Yeah, so it's a great piece. It's uh, it's that was done in '98. It was done in '98 and it was released for '99. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's some of those. There's uh, some prints. You know, they did some prints by people like Dean Ormstone. Uh, Graham Nolan um, and some others which I can't remember at the top of my head and of course there's there's all the Glenn Ford stuff as well there's more prints and, and stuff as well yep. um, but they've also got other stuff like uh, they've got some Devonport uh, clothing 
as well as some of the other clothing stuff, which is uh, released by a Swedish company, and of course the um, uh, the company uh, Casual Friday, I think it is as yeah. well. The Devonport um, stuff's really nice. Yeah, nice. it is. It is. Um, so yeah, so it's pretty. It's 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 been a lot of work. It's it's been good to see um, it, it released where people can actually uh, buy buy off and stuff like that now. Yep. Um, there has you know there has been the odd uh, bit of a hiccup and all that, but I think that's I think we, we we're working through that. Mm-hmm. Um, you can and of course you can also buy a lot of the um, US comics as well. So um, yeah, yeah, um, which is great. Yeah, so one of um, my um, favorite items on there is if you go to the merchandise section, there's the Phantom comic binder that originally came out I think in '98 as well, um, and it's specifically designed for fruit issues. It's got some gorgeous artwork on it. Um, on the front is a CG uh, Glenn Ford image, and then on the spine is Cy Barry, and on the back of the folder you've got um, uh, Ray Moore <coughs> and Wilson McCoy. So it's like these sort of four generations of Phantom artists, and it's a lovely, lovely folder. I actually got one uh, when they originally came out. And it can actually yeah. hold more than the, um, I think at the time it was... 28 issues a year, something like that. Well, maybe maybe I'm getting my numbers wrong, but um, it's a lovely folder anyway. Now, they've got the um, inserts as well you can buy, and it's pretty good for 20 bucks. It's a very high-quality folder. Um, yeah, exactly. I know, a, I know um, a couple of people actually have all of their fruits in that, so they've got this massive shelf, and it's yeah. just decked out with, you know, 50 of these folders. Wow, you would need a couple. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Um, um, one other thing. So, I think, sorry. No, no, you go. I was just going to say one other thing. I think that's really cool that they've got on here is the Norwegian Phantom Bobblehead, um, which came out in the early two thousands. Um, I actually got one of these, but we had a huge storm at the house I was living at the time, and it got blown off the shelf by wind, so it broke. One of the Phantom's oh. arms and Devil came off, and I had to glue them back on. So I'm actually considering buying another one, so I have one in good condition. But um, yeah, it's a really nice bobblehead. The details beautiful in it. And um, wasn't there? Um, I don't think they, they don't have it for sale on on Phantom's Fold, But wasn't there a, another one that was like a red costume or a yellow costume? I remember there being a different so there was, colour. Yeah, there was talk about, uh, from what I remember, is that it was going to be... Because I, I originally brought one from the original guy who created it. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, for 55 bucks, it's an absolute bargain. Oh, yeah, you know, exactly. I, I think I brought mine for, a, you know, about $110, I think. Yeah, I think so, for, for the thing itself and the shipping to Australia when it originally came out, it was about 110 so $55 is half price. You know, yeah. I'm thinking about getting another one, you know, so I can have one on, on storage and one, you know, keeping the original plastic. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so from, from memory, uh, they released the blue one because, obviously, in, Nor- uh, in Norway, he's blue. And then, depending on how it's sold, they were going to do it in purple or red. And then they were also looking at doing a Mr. Walker one as well. So I, in his um, in his I, tradition, yeah, in his street clothes. I know the Mr. Walker one didn't happen, but did they ever do one of the colour variations? I can't. 
quite remember. I don't believe so. No. Um, I remember. So yes. I remember the guy saying um, that he sold out of the initial run that he made. But I, yeah, whether he made another run, or no, I must have if they're if they're selling them on Phantom Salt, he must have made a second run. But maybe that wasn't enough to. I I don't I don't know the complete story, but what I do know is that they got basically I think it even says it on if you actually go to the website and have a look at the fans, uh, the Norwegian fan and Bobblehead, um, uh, basically well it says here there's only a thousand made oh, in, the, in world, the world and we yep. have the last. One. So I believe what happened is like they got a whole pile of them and just basically brought them all off the guy and then put the website. Yeah. Um, so, like I said, that's to me, that's probably one of the the best items on the site. Uh, there's yeah. some other beautiful uh, statues, like there's the gold one, um, and I think there's the ticker on there as well, the ticker design. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's some there's some really good stuff on there. Um, yeah. There's some good pri- like some of it's some good prices. Um, you know, obviously for some of the other stuff, like the bronze statue, you're going to pay a mini fortune, but you know, yeah, exactly. Only have those around. I'm, I'm um, quite keen to get the Phantom bookends myself. They look yeah, quite nice with the Hermes collections between them. Yeah, they would. Um, oh, there's there's some good stuff on there. Um, I know there's like I know like they've done an uh, a uh, an initial opening of the website, mm-hmm. um, and obviously as I said, I've helped build the website and I'm helping maintain the website as well so um, I know there's a lot of other stuff in store which will um, uh, get a lot of people excited and a lot of partners and wives um, upset rolling their eyes yeah. and upset yeah. because of all the money we'll end up spending on That there. actually leads me to a question I, I wanted to ask you now if you're not allowed to say anything I completely understand but before the site actually opened, I remember, um, I honestly can't remember if it was Renee or Jermaine or yourself or, or Glenn, um, one of you guys contacted myself and a couple other people and said, look, we're working on this. Would you like to have a look at, see how it's going? And on there was a Phantom action figure that apparently had been made specifically for the site or Renee or someone had, had it produced, you know, had it moulded. That, I noticed, is no longer on here. Do you know anything about that, whether that was a return, <laughs> or are you not allowed to say anything? Uh, no comment. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> fair enough. Okay, well, hopefully I won't get an angry phone call from Renee. But, um... Yeah, there's going to be... Um, there's, going to, there's, there's going to be some awesome announcements coming up. Uh, probably in the next couple of months and over the next, you know, period of time and all that. So um, there will be, I am looking at doing a Facebook page for the site, which, you know, which, and there's also an option where you can uh, sign up for a newsletter feed uh, a newsletter feed and stuff. So if you're interested and you want to keep up to date with what's, what's being released so you don't miss out, um, you can do all that. And I'm sure there will be lots of announcements on the various other Facebook pages like, the fan collector and also Chronicle Chamber as well. So, yep. um, I'm sure we won't miss out. No, we'll, we'll definitely keep everyone up to date. And um, we probably should mention too that the URL for the website is phantomsvault.com.au. So, fairly easy to remember. But um, 
if you do forget it, there's a direct link to the uh, to the store, the store, sorry, from the Chronicle Chamber webpage as well. So cool. Well, it looks looking good, Jermaine. You've done a nice job. I quite like the uh, animation on the front page too. That's pretty cool. Yeah, um, animations or videos on the homepage can be a bit hit and miss. Um, yeah. We're probably, you know, I'm probably not quite satisfied with with that and some of the other errors in the website, but, you know, it's a, it's a work in progress. Um, I'm sure people will just be happy that they can actually buy some stuff yeah. um, and then we'll work out some of the other little kinks as we go. Um, again, you know, if you do run into any problems and you are a listener out there or something, um, you know, uh, you know, get in touch with us and, you know, we'll be able to help help you out if needed. Definitely. It's it's actually kind of funny you say, um, you know, the, the videos on front pages can be a bit hit and miss because the first time I accessed this, the site after it um, officially opened, I um, opened it into a new tab because I was, I suppose like a lot of people, I have several tabs open. And the video plays automatically, and when he punches, it makes that explosion sound. But of course, I wasn't looking at the page, so I absolutely <laughs> shat myself, thinking, "What the hell is going on?" And then, yeah, eventually, I realised it was the video. So, yeah, <laughs> hopefully, it won't scare too many people like it did me. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, no, it's it's not bad. It's um, it's good. There's yeah. some good stuff happening, and uh, yeah, I hope people enjoy it, and I hope people are. Uh, don't spend too much, so they don't get um, so, so we don't get angry phone calls from um, from upset <laughs> partners and wives. Yeah, hopefully not. Hopefully not. <laughs> right. So, um, we'll move on to the next bit of news, which is the Norway um, publishers Semic or Egmont, depending on on how you like to refer to them, celebrates 50 years this year of um, publishing the fandom. Is that correct, or is it 50 years of the company? Um, it's fifty. So they've it's fifty years of the actual um of like when Semic then Egmont produced the comics. They started in sixty four. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I can't remember. There was uh there was a guy on um he's been posting some of the stuff that was being published before, like yep. his backup characters and stuff, which was you know like in the late forties and fifties and stuff. Uh, he's just recently posted on Facebook, so it's pretty exciting to have a look at it. Um, and, you know, see how the fan became who he is in Norway um, all those years ago. So um, the Norwegian side of Egmont, I guess, is what you want to call it, um, produced a a jubilee book or a yeah. jubilee album or something. However, they um, want, however they describe it, it's. It's it's kind of hard. It's uh, like a hard. It's, it's like a hard cover, but it's not hard. It's like oh, probably oh, maybe you know eight pages thick. I guess it's probably you know a good way of describing the thickness for the novice like myself. Um, it's and it's it's got what uh, it's got one, two, three, four, five phantom, six phantom stories in it. Uh, they're all uh, Sky Barry. And um, uh, Lee Fork dailies and Sundays, and it's just it's it's all in black and white, but it's got some brilliant articles in this at the start and towards the back and, and stuff like that. It's a nice book. It's a very nice book. Um, I'm sure if you're interested in getting one, you'll be able to. Um, there'll be there'll be several people online uh, that you know that are interested that will be able to 
swap a comic for you or, or, or something like that. If you are interested in getting a copy, obviously, and you can't find anyone that can help you online, uh, just contact us and we can put you into some pe- We can uh, get you in contact with some people. Yep, definitely. Cool. Well, congratulations to them for 50 years, I suppose. Yeah, they've done a good job. Um, yeah, definitely. So, um, next thing a bit closer to home we have is that through... Uh, have announced that they will be printing or um, creating Phantom posters uh, that are set to come out in mid-June. Um, so I guess we should be seeing them fairly fairly soon appearing on the website. I haven't actually checked the website. I should probably do that. Um, but <laughs> it looks uh, from the ad that they published in issue 1697, it looks like they're going to be um, giant posters, reproductions of through um, issue covers. So it says they're high-quality posters. It doesn't say exactly what kind of paper, but I would assume glossy paper. Um, oh, sorry, no, I'm, I'm wrong. It does. Printed on satin 150 uh, GSM stock, so that's pretty good paper. And they're A1 size, so that's pretty much um, your standard poster size. So... Yeah, it's good to see Frua um, reaching out into new areas, and I know um, I know we've said before that we'd like to see posters, so maybe you know someone over there listen to us. <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm just bringing up the website now, and I'll see what they're. Yeah, they're not uh, for sale yet. Not for sale, okay. Um, but they're they're in production. Okay. Um, so, yeah, so he's, he's got a, he's got a post, uh, Steve Shepard, the publisher, has a post up on their website. There are eight posters that we're awaiting, 250 A5, A2 size of each. Oh, so they've know. gone down a size. Um, uh, so they're going to be done in two sets of four. Yep. Um, so yeah, uh, on one of the free comics, they actually did a little mini, um, with some of the, uh, Posters that that they're looking at getting done. Um, mm-hmm. Some of the early through covers, like in the 100s, 2 and 300s, there's some really amazing designs and covers in there. So if they do yeah. some of those, um, they will, you know, they they will probably sell like hotcakes. So I managed to pick up uh, what is it a 122. Um, uh, a couple of weeks ago at, uh, at Comic Con, uh, Supernova, so, and it's you know it's a really nice cover. Like even today, if the cover was on uh, glossy paper, it would it would be popular. It would sell. Yeah. So yeah, they you know, are nice. Those old covers. Yeah, having some po- just pity that they cost so much. Yeah. Um, so you know, having a couple of those stuck up on your wall, or if you like a couple of us, you got no room on your wall. Um, <laughs> But you know they 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 should they should sell. I expect them to sell quite uh, quite good. Yeah, well, hopefully hopefully they will. So um, you know, for all make more of them, obviously. But um, yeah, I, I agree. I hope they do do um, the earlier issues because they are they are quite nice the images. But some of the later ones um, as as well would be quite nice, like um, some of the CG. Uh, Glenn Ford ones and some of the painted Antonio ones would be quite nice. 
Yeah, um, I, I must admit, I'm more of a stickler for the painted covers. Yeah. Um, so, you know, some of those ones uh, that were done uh, by Antonio and stuff like that, the painted ones, uh, to me, are, are a little bit more special than the CG ones. So that, that's fair enough. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I'd um, love to get a poster of the um, wraparound Phantom Goes to War cover that yeah. Glenn did for 1041. That thing's just... I love that that cover. Yeah, that one is very nice. Um, another one that, that I would like to see as a poster is uh, 1128, I think it is, which is the Sing Brotherhood storyline. Oh, yes. Um, it's kind of got... Uh, it's, it's black, and it's and it's kind of got like the the myth or the way the Phantom became the you know the Phantom with the you know the ship being burnt in the background and swearing on the skull and the big you know so it's it's very iconic you know that would look yeah. also quite nice as a, as a poster as well. Yeah, well, with you know sixteen hundred odd issues, there's a fair few covers to choose from. So. Well, it's actually 1,700. Um, oh, yes, that's true. That, the issue that comes out in, what is it, the 18th? No, 17th yeah. of July, that will be issue 1,700. So mm-hmm. that'll yeah. be quite exciting. Yeah. So um, I wonder if I'll do anything special for that. They haven't announced anything. So. Hmm. But, um, yeah, no, that, there's, that's cool that they're using the covers. Um to do that so hopefully the uh, covers they choose will be nice ones and the colouring will be um, a bit better than you know on some of the actual covers <laughs> but we won't get into that I'm okay. sure I'm sure it'll be good yeah I'm sure it will be too um, right so the last thing we should mention is uh, the PVC figures competition again I must apologise for taking so long to get around to um Announcing the winners for that, but just, you know, life as it tends to gets in the road. Uh, but congratulations to Dan and um, everyone else, Greg and everyone else that won. Um, Tim, that's it. that was a young fella's name that had the 204 and DVL figures, which I thought was quite cool. And thank you so is that, is that the only reason why he got the prize? Because he was such a 2040 uh, buff? Ah, uh, maybe. No, I don't, obviously, I just... Obviously, he's been listening to the competition and he goes, all right, one of the judges absolutely <laughs> yeah. loves 2040, so if I stick that, I've got a, I got a better yeah. chance of winning. Very smart. Yeah, he's not dumb. But, um, no, I, I just thought it was very clever using the figures in the, um, and putting them just, you know, obviously just among some plants that have got in the yard or somewhere, and, but it looks like he's in the jungle. I thought it was um, very well yeah, constructed. No. Constructed photo. My um, my art geek came out in me a little bit there, but the the others are all cool. Um, I like um, I like the draft day one. I thought that was very good. That was uh, Greg Brandon from the US. Mm-hmm. Um, it was very. I suppose in the US it was around draft draft time with the NBA. Uh, so you know, obviously that's his uh his uh sports side coming up. Yeah. But I thought it very, very clever and um. Uh, it was Dan, was it, with the uh, with the teachers? Yeah. Yep. So that was also pretty cool. I wonder if he actually dresses dresses like that normally. He does. I actually emailed him um, and asked if he'd like to do an interview for the podcast about um, 
about this because he said that in his email when he sent the photo, this is an actual unit he teaches his classes um, at school, and he actually dresses like that when he's teaching it. So uh, being a teacher myself, I was really interested to hear more about it, so he's agreed to come on the show at um, a future date and tell us all about it and how the students react to it and all that sort of thing. So, yeah, it should be interesting. It should be interesting. Oh, it sounds good. Yeah. But, um, yeah, okay, so that's cool about the draft day because not being a sports fan, I didn't get that at all. I knew it had, <laughs> obviously, something to do with sport because of the um, the the shirt there and he's talking about the Jungle Olympics. But, um, yeah, I didn't know what a draft day was. So. <laughs> that's my, my ignorance. Um, yeah, so congratulations to all those people that won and thank you to everyone who, who entered. Righto, well, I suppose we should get into the uh, comics now. Is there any other news you wanted to mention before we do so, Jermaine? Um, no, that's probably it. I'm sure we will probably remember something later, but I think that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Okay, so let's get into the comics. So, first thing we have here is the new uh, Brazilian comic, O Phantasma Number 2, from Pixel Media, which um, contains a reprint of the Inexonerables. Inexonerables, is that how you pronounce it? Yeah, which is the Phantom Goes to War, basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, So, 128 pages, so that must be the full story. There, and 130, I, yeah, 130 pages, actually. 130, is it? Okay. Yeah, and it's got an article or two in there. Yep. Um, you know, by some fans and stuff. Uh, yep. it's got some, so what they've actually done is they've actually uh, recolored, well, they've coloured it. Mm-hmm. Um, and the interesting thing is, because um, back, you know, back in the day, uh, newspaper strips weren't created for comic books. No. Uh, and so what? And so a few companies have tried different ways. Some people stretch the panels, some people split the panels, and then some some companies even try and you know move the panels about and stuff. Um, yeah. But what this company does is they actually um, is if it doesn't quite fit, they'll they'll have like gaps. So on one line, it may just have two panels, or it may just have the one bigger panel, you know, and it's, it might look a little bit disjointed, but in a sense, you a, you're actually reading it the way, you know, in, in its entire, in its entire, entirety, entire, entirety yeah. <laughs> so, um, I actually quite like it like that. Um, 
Yeah. And in the background, like, they've got, um, instead of it just being off-white, mm. um, or, you know, just white like a normal comic, they've kind of got, like, a watermark of, of oh, the actual okay. itself. So oh, okay. it's, um, it's, it's very nice. It's glossy, glossy paper. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you look under the light and it sh- reflects off it and it shines off it. And, yeah. Uh, now, I must admit, I haven't looked at it to see if it's been... Um, uh, if it's been, if it's the unedited version or... Oh, uh, yeah, I was going what? to ask you that, if you knew whether it was the edited one or not. Um, but from, I'm just trying to think of some, some panels that yeah, I've Yeah, there's one at. panel where, um, the Japanese general, um, I think he is, I think he's a general, he slaps Diana, but in the edited version, he's just, like, shaking his fist at her. Uh, there's another one where, in the unedited version, he kicks the Phantom in the face. Um, I think it's a Phantom, or it might be Byron, one of the two. But in the edited version, he's just... No, sorry, he doesn't actually kick him. He's, his foot's, like, hovering above their heads as if he's about to stamp on them. But in the edited version, he's just standing oh, in the spot, sort of yelling at them. Um, they're the two I can think of off the top of my head, but I'm, I know there are others. Yeah, well, uh, I've just looked on page 41. He slaps the fan's face. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just trying to see whether he kicks him. Um, yeah, yeah, I can't see that one. But, yeah, it, it looks it looks like it's got the ones. There's the fan and uh, killing um, in there, that's all in there. So I think it's all pretty. Um, I don't think it's unedited, but I'll, obviously I'll have to go through it um, page by page. To well, I suppose it depends where it. they got their the, the where they source the strips from. Because if they got some of the story from one place and other parts of the story from somewhere else, because the one place didn't have all the strips, then maybe you know it's a bit mixed up as to whether it's edited or not. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, so but no, it's, it's very nice. Um, if only you, you can read Portuguese, you would you would very enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe it's just one for the collection, then, eh? Yeah, exactly. One for the collection, one to file away, and you know, uh, bring out on special occasions, and mm-hmm. you know, when you're showing your collection off to everyone else, they go, "Ooh, I like this. Co- I like this comic." Yeah, don't know what it says, but it looked cool. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Right. Yeah, well. Um I suppose we should move on to the through issues. So the first one we have to talk about and probably the most, uh, uh, I don't want to say controversial, that's not the word I'm looking for, but the one we're probably most interested in is the uh, is issue 1695, the first issue of Fru's Collector's Replica series. Um, as we mentioned in a preview, previous podcast, Fru has started to print uh, older reprint, I should say, all the through issues in the one collected uh, volume. So this issue collects numbers 199, 198, and 197. So it's counting down to the original issue, so issue one. Uh, The exciting thing about this is that, well, apart from reprinting the old issues, it is in colour. Well, part of it is in colour. There are colour splash pages, I guess you would call them, which I assume are reprints or reproductions, I should say, of the original issue covers. Yes. Um, I don't actually have, you know, 199, 198 in my collection, so I can't verify that, but 
that looks like that's what they are, and they're they're rather nice too, just quietly. Yeah, no, like I say, I, I do like some of these earlier covers. Yeah, yeah, they're very nice. Um, the paper is kind of the, the regular stock that you're getting in your every everyday normal fruit issue, so it's a slightly heavier stock from you know um, against a couple of years ago. But the most impressive thing, as far as the presentation, is the uh, cardstock cover. So it's a lot more, <clears throat> excuse me, a lot more durable uh, stock they're using on the cover. Um, and the cover is fairly simple. It's just basically a uh, black background against which we have the Femme's face, which I am fairly certain is a photo of the bust lamp. Um, yes. So I reckon Steve stole our idea for the podcast image there, but I won't hold that against him. <laughs> and then on the back, it's just got um, it's got the years that the series will be covering. So um, every issue from 199, which appeared in 1961, to the very first issue from 1948. So it's qu- it's quite a nice little package. Um, but let's get into the actual contents. Oh, we should mention too that um, the issue is obviously uh, a bit more expensive than normal at $9.50 Australian or $11 uh, (coughs) New Zealand. So, Jermaine, what did you think of the first issue of the Replica series? Um, I must admit, I'm still sitting on the fence. Yeah? I've, I've kind of waned liking it, not liking it, but I'm, I'm sitting on the fence, like, you know, I, I guess, yeah, I really don't know. I guess it really depends <laughs> on, you know, it's, people tend to like the replica issues. Me, personally, I don't like replica issues in the annual. I would rather get a poster, uh, a fandom ring, or, you know, something like that. You know, yeah. I like the, you know, that, that's what I would prefer to get. But mm-hmm. I'm not everybody, and the majority of people I've talked to like the replicas. You know, I, I, and I've got, and I've had people that I've swapped comics with overseas, and they don't want anything else. They just want the replicas. Yeah. Which, to me, means that there's obviously a market out there where people can, you know, want the old stuff without having to pay for the price. Yeah, and so obviously there's a market out there for it. So you know, if if the sales show that more people are buying, and if people are buying two of these, you know, one to read, one to to store away, and the sales continue to stay good for the whole, you know, replica series, um, you know, it it it, it must mean it's going to work. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I'm kind of, I'm kind of similar to you in that I'm a bit, not so much on the fence about it as, I think it's a good idea. I think there is, like you say, probably a market for it. Um, and I'm thinking, like you mentioned, people that really like replica stuff, um, they're, for lack of a better term, Lee Fork purists. They just want to read the Lee Fork stuff. They don't care about the US stuff or the Scandinavian (laughs) stuff. They just want to read Lee Fork stories, which is fair enough. So for people like that, this is probably brilliant. 
Also, for people that might be newer to the character, um, like I think I've mentioned before, there's a young guy at one of the schools I've worked at that's sort of just discovering the Phantom. Um, so something like this for someone like that, you know, 10 bucks and you get three stories presented in a nice um, nice little package is a lot more economical than, you know, sourcing out old back issues that are going to cost you, you know, $10 for one sort of thing. So I think for people like that, it's it's probably really good for myself. Um, it's I don't think I would buy replica series number two, um, mainly because I have I think every Lee Fork story in some form or another, um, because Fru's been printing them for so many years and in the annuals and stuff. But also um, while I do have those Fru reprints. I do want a good reproduction or a good quality um, version of those stories which Hermes is providing. Now, I know Hermes' print schedule of late has been a bit up and down, shall we say. Um, I don't know if I will print every single story, but at the moment, while they're still doing it, that's if I'm going to be spending the kind of money I am prepared to spend as a long-time fandom fan on a high-production um, collection of Lee Fork stories. That's the kind of thing I want. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. So I want that really high quality, which obviously Fru isn't aiming for, so it's a completely different ballpark, um, those two publications. But just because I have that choice and I have the money to afford it and I'm the kind of fan that likes that sort of thing, then that's the direction I'd be going. But I can see how some people would much prefer this as well, especially considering... Um, the number of the actual issue number, while it's collector's replica number one, it's still through issue 1695, so it's still part of the through series, which um, I personally would have preferred if this was a separate series all on its own. But, you know, um, I'm sure there's some people that will buy the issue just so they can have the complete run of throughs, um, even if they don't read it. So yeah, that's that's kind of my take on it. Not personally, it's not for me, but I think it's great that Fru are trying something new, and I can see that this would be valuable for for different people. You raise an interesting point about could have it been done as a separate, like a separate series type of thing, like you know having, you know, like not almost like the A series that we had back in the day, but. You know, having it as a standalone, like yeah, exactly. Uh, Egmont, Egmont do something similar when they reprint stories with like their hardcover or their chronicle issues or something like that. So yeah. that's an interesting point. Um, I, I must admit, I'm more of a traditional where you just count one, two, wherever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I know, I know it's an American thing where they like to have. Um, you know, lots of number ones because it means the the comics are worth more, or so they think. Um, but yeah, I'm, I must admit, um, it doesn't bother me that it's part of you know it's 16.95 and the next one's going to be you know 17.01. That's for me not much of an issue. Yeah, it's actually interesting you mentioned the um, American market because it has actually been proven statistically that a new issue one um, in the US comic market does generate more sales. Now, those sales might completely taper off come issue two, but at least for that first issue, sales 
generally, probably 90% of the time, go up, which is why Ooh. you see so many story, uh, series getting relaunched. So it would have been interesting to see here in Australia if a locally produced comic new number one um, did produce more sales or not. Just kind of would have been interesting. But, yeah, I think the um, OCD in, this, in me would have preferred it to be a separate series. But I don't know. <coughs> You know, if, if there's a fruit issue that reprints a story I've already got, I tend not to buy it anyway. So that's kind of a mute point, I guess, for me. But um, because yeah. they are calling it collector's replica series, it just kind of to me makes more sense if it was separate to the regular fruit thing. But you know, that's that's probably like you say a, a mute point for many people. Um, um, so one thing I did want to ask you about is what you think of the uh, uh, print quality of the issue. Yeah, this is an interesting point. Um, obviously, like you, I only have a few issues, you know. Uh, well, I don't have those issues. So it'll be interesting to see what the print quality is with there and actually what they were back in 1961. Yeah. Um, now, if it is the same, I don't know. It's like, do you, do you clean it up? Do yeah. you produce uh, the unedited version of it, or do you produce it the way it was back in 1961, like the, what they do with the replicas? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting query, isn't it? Because part of me, like, for the replicas, I think whether Fru thought about this, and they probably didn't because, you know... I'm a fanboy and I think about these sort of things, but I think they need to kind of um, decide how they want to attack this. Do they want to attack this purely as a replica thing, like the replicas we get with the annuals? Because then, yeah, produce it exactly how it is um, in the original issue. If the original issue has dodgy printing, then go for that. But if this is for people to be reading those older stories. Um, it's supposed to be a prestige format thing, which I'm guessing Fru was kind of aiming for because they've got the better cover stock and that sort of stuff. Um, then I think in that case, you'd probably tidy it up a bit because there are some frames in here that are quite muddy. Um, yeah. Of course, now i am said that, I can't actually find the one I was looking at the previously. Last, the middle story, the golden yeah. circle. Yeah, the, the golden, golden circle. circle. Uh, so, in a sense, number 198. Now, yeah. to me, this is one of the best stories oh, yeah, it's ever. Cool. Oh, here we go. It's on page 41, sorry to interrupt, on page 41, look at the second row of panels, the one in the middle of the Phantom and Devil. That just looks terrible. Like, I know he's just got out of the um, the river, so he's dripping with water. That's why he's got the lines on his costume. But because the grey, the um, I can't remember the name that they use. Zipitone. Zipitone, that's it, is kind of faded. It just looks dirty. So I think something like that could have been cleaned up a bit. And then even, um, again, that same page with the top right-hand corner with the two guys, that guy's jacket, it just looks kind of dirty. You know, does that make sense? Like the ink's been yeah. smudged or something. So I guess... But if you go along and reproduce or instead of the how it originally appeared, you're doing the unedited version, the clean version, 
you know, which Fru have already done. It's not yeah. really a replica series now, is it? No. No. And they've added the little at last Fru back issues for sale at the top of the page there, so that in itself, you know, sort of ruins the replica feel. <laughs> and, you know, not that there's anything wrong with adding that, but um, if they were going but for But I guess, uh, you know, there's that, it's empty space. So, yeah. Um, because I've just got, you know, I wonder if the actual comics are bigger these days than what they were before. I've Actually, got I think a one. Smaller. I think they're smaller. I've got one twenty-two in front of me, mm. and it's actually well, just with one twenty-two. Now I don't know if my version's been clipped or anything like that. I'll doubt it's not because it's supposed to be. It's a done by Halo certification, so, you know, if it was clipped, it should have actually mentioned it. Mm-hmm. But this replica series versus the 122, it's the same width, or yeah. give or take, very similar, but there's a noticeable difference in the height. It's probably yeah. about a centimetre. So let's just say that everything equals equal, mm-hmm. you know, that it's exactly, you know, it's a photo, it's scanned, printed out, and... You know, there is that larger gap up the top. So, unless you're wanting to put Phantom Trivia or Old Jungle Sayings or something like that up the top, putting the back issues for sale, phantomcomic.com.au, is not a bad idea. No, no, it's not. I don't, and I don't have a problem with it, but just, um, we were talking about the replica feel and I think adding that kind of, if you, if that's what they were going for, sort of messes that up. But um, yeah. if they're just doing it to showcase the story, then, you know, by all means. Um, one thing, other thing I will mention too is very rarely, but it does happen in a couple of spots, the old through printing mishap has occurred um, where the pages aren't particularly well printed. I'm looking at page 88, which is nice and sharp and black, and then you look at page 89 and it's faded and dull and lifeless and then you switch to page 90 and it's nice and sharp again now that could just be my issue my copy it could just be no, that my was copy's a, like that as well yeah well there you go so it could just have been there was an error in the printing but it still kind of comes against the um comic a little bit but it doesn't happen terribly often at all in this in this issue just so. um looking at page 89 the bottom left panel mm. um you can see that it's actually been edited as yeah, it would have been originally in the uh, issue one, whatever it was. Yeah. Um, you can see the guy's leg disappears, and then he's got a bit of his shoulder um, yeah. doubling up. So, yeah, it's just... So, I, I, I don't know. I, I must admit, I'm still... I'm, that's why I'm on the fence, because if you want to do a true replica, you can't do an unedited version of the comic if that's not how it appears. Yeah, but it almost, you know, seeing you've we've spent, you know, through has spent the time, spent the money doing a nice hard, you know, a harder cover, cardstock, you know, color interiors. It's almost you want to do the proper stories. Yeah, exactly. So it's it's a hard one. Um, you know, and I think whichever way you go, you're going to people are going to say, oh, maybe it should have been done the other way. Yeah, yeah, well, you're not going to please all the people all the time, so. Yeah, so I guess that's why I'm on the fence. I guess the only way we're going to find out 
is in the long run if the sales are higher than a normal issue. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And but at uh, least through a trying something new. Yeah, exactly, and that's that's the main thing, and that's why I picked up the first issue is to you know support their, their new initiative, and I think it's a it's a brilliant idea to reproduce those covers in color because they look beautiful. Um, but I'm also really impressed that they kept the old ads as well. I think that's great from the from the back of the books, like the um, how to play the mouth organ in 30 minutes and sensational demonstration lessons shows how you can learn music at home and all that sort of stuff. I reckon that's brilliant. I love that they've kept that because it really sets the kind of era that the comic was released in. Yeah. So, yeah, it's pretty cool. And you know, eleven. Oh no, sorry, one hundred and eleven stamps for only one pound, and that sort of stuff. So, yeah, that's that's pretty. Yeah, those cool. those stamps would be worth a bit now. Yeah, I reckon. I wonder if anyone held held onto them. <laughs> but yeah, so final thoughts on the issue, Jermaine? Um, still sitting on the fence. Yeah, fair enough. Well, still my, sitting on the fence. Well, my mine is probably it's not. A series for me, but I'm sure there are lots of people out there for who will get enjoy me out of it. And good on Fruit, like you say, for trying something new. Um, what well, one day when we get uh, Steve on the podcast, um, it'll be one of the things we would have to ask him is the reason behind the replica, and also whether it's been successful in the sales or not, because it'll be interesting to hear uh, his thoughts on the whole thing. Yeah, very, very. Okay, well, let's move on to the next issue, which is issue 1696 uh, with the story Cyclops. Um, I didn't actually pick this issue up. Somehow I managed to miss it. So do you want to have the floor on this one, Jermaine? Yeah, no worries. So, um, well, first of all, it's got your favourite um, artist, Enya yes. Babe. Yep, it does indeed. <laughs> um, I, know he's, I know he's very popular with you. Yep. Um, the art's actually quite. The art's actually enjoyable in this one. Mm-hmm. Um, the storylines. It's a typical nineteen eighties to 90, early nineteen nineties storyline where you've got you know it's a standalone issue. The Phantom and the Phantom deals with uh, a problem. And in this case, it's bullying and uh, discrimination against some people who look a little bit different. In the case, this guy's got a scar over his face, and he actually looks quite hideous, to be truthfully mm. honest. Um, but it's a, you know, it's an enjoyable story. Um, you know, it's got a happy ending. Um, you know, I was uh, there was some Facebook chatter the other day about some um, translation questions about some of the dialogue. Yeah. Um, so. I know that's always been a bit of a contentious issue. Mm-hmm. Um, if you know it being originally written in English, then it being written uh, translated to Swedish or Norway for them, and then it being translated from the translation back to English for free. Yeah. Um, so there's always there's always been a few little uh, grammar or complications that. Um, in a sense, has marred some of the, uh, the, the the dialogue. I remember talking to uh, a writer, I can't remember who it was, but um, he he said he, he, he actually got um, a through issue and he 
looked at the frilly shoot and then he looked at the original English and he said he was amazed at how different the dialogue actually changes. Oh, really? Yeah. So that's um, it's something that's that's interesting. Um, I guess the cover doesn't do much for me, but mm-hmm. the main thing I want to talk about is the two-tone uh, stripe up the top. Oh, yes. The new title um, banner. Yeah, it's been on a couple of... It's been on all of the issues since 1696. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'll be interested to get people's opinions. I, I know we've raised this on the on one of the fandom pages, Facebook pages. Um, what are your thoughts on it? Uh, to be honest, I don't... I don't mind it. Um, but that's in the sense that if it had stayed exactly how it was before they introduced this, I wouldn't have cared either. Um, I know that that sounds a bit like I'm, I'm um, discarding it. It's not that. It's just I don't think it lessens the cover at all because it makes a nice um, highlight of what issue number it is, how many pages, the price, and the title of the of the issue, and then you've got the big artwork right underneath it. So... I don't think it takes anything away from the cover myself. Um, again, I'm sure there's other people that don't like it, but just personally for me, um, I have no problem with it whatsoever. Yeah. Um, I must say I'm not a fan of it. Yeah? Any particular um, reason? Uh, I don't know. But in saying... In saying that, you know, I've got a magazine rack thing in my fandom room, and I've got, you know, just to give everyone a bit of background, I've got lots of fandom comics in it. So if I slip it in there, it does stand out. Like, yeah. from a, from a news, because most, most people buy their friends from a news agent. Mm-hmm. And so if you see the top, what, most people, most of the time you see the top third, yeah, about that. In the news agent stand. Mm-hmm. You know, you see the Phantom in big letters, and then you see this orange, red, and the yellow. It stands out. Yeah. Um, I'm looking at it now, and it, and it's definitely, obviously it's, you know, a little bit brighter than some of the older comics I've got there, but it stands out like, stands out like a sore thumb. And yeah. I guess, in a sense, that's what you almost want. Yeah, exactly. People to take notice. So, you know, I'm sure maybe this is another question we need to ask Steve, but um, <laughs> I'm sure it's got a reason why that is there. And if it is for it to stand out, and if it works, which, you know, I'm sure he will be looking at figures and sales figures and stuff like that to gauge whether it works or not, because if it works, you can't, you, you have to say that it's doing its job. Yeah. Um. It reminds me a bit of the, the what was it the seven and eight hundreds comics where they had the what was it the black or the yellow strip up top? Uh yeah, yellow I think wasn't it? Yeah, yellow. Yeah. Yeah. So it reminds me a bit of those. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, you know, if it works, you know, you can't really fault it. Again, you know, he's trying something. Obviously, you know, um, Steve wants to make some sales. He wants to. Um, uh, improve the comic and, and and stuff like that. So yeah, I guess you know you'll just we'll just have to see how it goes. It's actually interesting because um, 
and this may not have even been anything Steve was aware of, but Marvel have actually started doing that strip um, as sort of thing for the issue number and stuff as well, but they've been putting it at the bottom. And it was kind of funny when they announced that they were going to start do it, doing it, so I was like, oh, we're going to do this brand new way of laying out our covers and just showcase the artwork and all this sort of stuff and put a strip down the bottom and I remember sitting there reading it thinking, yeah, Fru did that ages ago, dude. What are you, <laughs> what are you talking about? But, um, yeah, so it's kind of interesting that whether um, they did it because they'd seen Marvel do it or they just did it because they wanted to hark back, like you said, to the older issues that had that strip or they just thought it was a nice design choice. By making the cover retro, they've actually made it more modern in a kind of roundabout way, which I find kind of interesting. Mm. But um yeah yeah but yeah no, I, so, I, I don't mind it at all yeah I'll, I'll, I guess we'll go on to the next comment then all right so issue sixteen ninety seven epilogue um actually when I saw the issue title of this I thought did I miss the first part of this or <laughs> <laughs> um so yes I I actually read this and the next issue just before we uh started recording the the podcast today. Um I'll let you go first. What did you what did you think of Epilogue? Um I enjoy or have been enjoying the Rhoda saga. Mm-hmm. Um I must admit I I would prefer to read them all at once. Instead. Yep. Instead of waiting, you know, six or seven issues between between them, I, mm-hmm. that's not Fru's fault because I know, you know, I know for a fact that, um, you know, that Egmont released them six or seven issues separate. But yeah. I know, you know, back when I first started collecting, you know, back, back in the olden days, you know, <laughs> I feel like, you know, I feel like all those type of people you used to roll your eyes at, um, yeah. they. Um, you know, through and Egmont and or Segnick or, you know, whoever, they produced them one after another. And mm-hmm. it was, en- and it was enjoyable because, you know, you buy one issue and then you would buy the next issue and, you know, and then by the time you get your two or three parts, you know, you're just hanging out for the last story. But I don't get, whether it's because I'm older and more mature and I don't get that same enjoyment out of it, but I don't, get that excited when there's seven or eight issues between each part. Yeah. Well, your um, excitement wanes, I suppose. You yeah, know, exactly. And, and I think that's the same as when um, Dynamite Entertainment, where like they would do one or two issues of King's, King's Watch, and then we had like two months before, you know, two or three months between the next one. And yeah. by then, it's just like, you know, you've moved on. Yeah, exactly. You've, you've had your little fanboy moment and you've moved on. Um, so that's probably my only negative about the story is the fact that we had to wait so long. But in saying all of that, there's nothing stopping you from actually rereading them all one after, one after another. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it, they're, they're a good, you know, there was a good series. Um, obviously, it's taken off the whole uh, South Africa um, you know, a lot of the names are the same and stuff like that, yes. the whole South Africa apartheid. But I don't mind that um, because, in a sense, it's good because it gives people some understanding of what actually happened back in the day. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so people, you know, what would have been nice, I guess, is if, um, is if there was maybe a one-page article or something on the similarities between this and a South African apartheid and Nelson Mandela and stuff like that. Because yeah. then, you know, your 13, 14, 15-year-old kid who might, who's not old enough to remember it, is reading it, and they might get excited about it, or they might get interested about it, and then they might read up about it or go onto Wikipedia, because no one has encyclopedias these days, <laughs> and, and actually learn about history because of a fandom comic. And yeah. I think, you know, I, I think that is a good thing, because, you know, if they could have learnt about this great atrocity that happened back in the day, because of a fandom comic, and if they had become aware of it, more respectful for people in different races, different situations and stuff like that. It's a win-win for everyone. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So, um, I just thought I'd mention, because you mentioned the uh, translation issues that Frill sometimes had earlier, um, I thought that I'd just mention there's one here... In this issue where um, Trader Joe is saying, I might as well close. Most likely there will be any more customers today. Now, I don't know if that's a translation issue or they just left out a word. But, um, yeah, a bit weird. And there was one or two other instances. But, God, how is Trader Joe still alive? The amount of times that man's been beat the hell. I would have yeah. packed up and retired by now. <laughs> yeah, so this really is not worth it. <laughs> no, it's really not. Every other day he seems to get beaten up or robbed or... <laughs> Poor dude. He, he must really love his job. Yeah, you'd have to. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I didn't mind the story. I didn't think it was the best Phantom story ever, but it definitely wasn't the worst. Um, I liked how all the different uh, threads kind of inter- intertwined. So you have the new black government of Rhodia and then the old white power agents trying to frame them and then that cleaning woman's son who apparently is dead but isn't. Her little investigation into what happened to her son all tying in together. I thought that was um, I thought that was all done rather nicely. Mm. Uh, the ending though, like we've said about a lot of... Um, Scandinavian stories just sort of happens. It's kind of like the writers just gone, oh, bugger, I've only got two more pages, I better wrap this up. Um, yeah, but I don't know, it, it was okay. It wasn't fascinating. I did like the, as, as morbid as it sounds, I did like the scene where the cleaning lady locked that thug into the <coughs> um, cold room and is basically breaking him down to get the information that she wants. I thought that was that was a nice little touch showing how far a mother will go to, you know, basically find out what happened, what has happened to a son. Um, yeah, so there were some nice little moments in it, but, um, yeah, it, it's not going to be my favourite Phantom story ever, but, yeah, I, I did enjoy it. I just wish those endings were, um, were a bit more thought out. I guess. <coughs> yeah. And something that, um, I find a little, a little bit to the Phantom's detriment, and I know it's part of the character because he's supposed to be, you know, the strongest man in the world or whatever. But taking out the villains with one punch, it's kind of, you know, basically all your action, all your, 
excitement for the end of the story is kind of in one panel. And, I don't know, it just, it fills me leaving cold, I guess. I kind of, so I guess I, I like... Less, you would rather less story and more fighting. <laughs> <laughs> well, if the fighting informed the story, no, it just feels... Not cheap. <laughs> it just seems, it feels like it's all over too fast. Like there's no, not really any danger there if you can just take them out in one, one punch, you know, sort of thing. There's no, uh, threat to the hero, which kind of lessens the impact of the story. Is what I'm getting at. Like that, that, the woman with locking that guy in, in the freezer and letting him basically freeze to death felt more of a threat than, the villains, if you know what I mean, because you you actually saw how desperate she was and the length she was prepared to go to. But the villains kind of just pulled out a gun and then was punched and that was it. Um, yeah, I don't know if I'm getting my point across, but I, yeah. I guess it's sometimes, and I guess you do this with superheroes, is um, they're almost too strong or not human enough. Yeah. So it's like, you know, they don't struggle, they don't get injured, uh, they don't get tired, you know, they never go to the toilet, they never have to have a shower or they never <laughs> smell. Um, you know, like they're they're almost yeah, they're almost too superhero, not human enough. <laughs> like like the um scene on page what is it, twenty one, where the Phantom's just hanging in the elevator shaft while hanging on to the other guy going, oh, I don't have time for subtlety, just answer my questions. And he's hanging by one arm. And I thought, surely that can't be comfortable. <laughs> well, it's true he doesn't have time for, uh, to muck around and he wants no. a quick answer. No, that's true. But, uh, yeah, I thought that was kind of what you're saying, where they're a bit too tough. But, um, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Shall we move on to the next issue? Yep. Secret of Snake Island, 1698. Yeah, now, I can't honestly remember if I read this originally or not, when it was originally published in um, 1987. Uh, But, yeah, I I must admit, I didn't particularly enjoy this one. Really? Yeah. To me, this is another classic, you know, 1980s fandom comic. Mm Mm-hmm. Um where there's a problem and he rescues the day and, you know, everyone lives happy after, happy ever after. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's usually done by, you know, telling us, and if it's a past story, it's usually got Rex and Tom Tom at the beginning and at the end of the story. Mm. Um, what did you think of the art? Uh, I'm in kind of two minds about it. Um it's not a style I particularly like, but I don't. But it's it's not something that I'm not going to read the story because this guy, um, who is it? It doesn't actually say, does it? Did the artwork? <laughs> it's your favourite guy, Henry Abade. Oh, is it? Well, there you go. There you go. Um, <laughs> I was trying to trick you, and I was hoping you would say, "Oh, really enjoying it," and I could say, "Oh, but it's your favourite artist." Yeah, no. <laughs> and so, sometimes the fan's face just looks weird. How he's got the the mask up at quite a high angle and um yeah there's a few shots there where he just looks weird so yeah okay it's better than some of henry's stuff but it's yeah nowhere near my preferred art style so (laughs) i'm still not a fan i'm afraid (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, no, it's it's um, it's a you know a typical story. Um, I guess there's not really that much to talk about it. No, it's it's very point A to point B, isn't it? Yeah. So I guess we'll move on to the next story. I did find <laughs> it funny. I did find it funny though when they set the island on fire. <laughs> after they left that kid's uncle there, and then the kid suddenly gone, oh, my uncle, he's going to burn to death. Wouldn't the Phantom have thought of that beforehand? <laughs> Especially when he told the guys to get their flamethrowers out? Like, yeah, there seemed to be a bit of, a few holes in the logic there, but maybe I'm thinking about it too much. Yeah, it's, it's, um, we've been getting a lot of these older stories from, like, the 80s. Yeah. Um, now, what I would prefer, now this is me in a perfect world, obviously, you know, I don't know, you know, just one fanboy to another fanboy to <laughs> a whole, you know, a whole heap of other fanboys who listen to us, is I enjoy seeing these old stories, and yeah, I've got the, I've got, probably got them. In, a, in an ideal world, I would prefer to um, get ones that haven't been published by Fruit. But yeah. I understand that they're probably harder to get and stuff like that. But I would prefer if they were done in the 100-page issues. Yeah, and keep the regular issues for new stories. Yeah. Mm. But in saying that, I guess these replica issues are taking over those 100-page special issues. Yeah. So, you know, I guess you can't have... And then you can't have too many 100-page issues because it's it's going to rise up the cost and you probably lose out on, on customers and all that. Yeah, exactly. Because, um, like we said, that the new collector's replica is, you know, almost 10 bucks an issue, so mm. not everyone's going to pay that for a black-and-white comic. Not that there's anything wrong with black-and-white, but I, I just know that, you know, some people see black-and-white and go, oh, that's, I'm not paying that. So, yeah. But I'm sure that stuff Fru's all thought about. Yeah, so, because, well, for me, um, it's almost, um, it's almost a waste of an issue because I've already got this, I've already got the comic, I've read it, you know, I've read it a million times. Yeah. Um, You know, ideally, I would prefer to get some of the comics that haven't been published. And there's heaps of... There's probably... I think last one, there's probably about 40 or 50 different stories that haven't been published. Mm. And then you have other stuff like... um, uh, You've got all the... um, You know, like the American comics. uh, You know, like the King Charlton ones and stuff like that. um, And stuff which... I don't know if Fru's got the rights to release them, um, but I know Egmont has, so obviously you can get the rights somehow to release them. So I'm sure the average Fru reader probably has never read them. Yeah. I don't know, just food for thought. Um, yeah, it is, it is a wonder that they keep releasing the same stuff all the time. But like you say, it might, it might just be that the others are hard to get hold of but um then if that's the case if they're going to do you know several uh several issues of old material why not release 
some of those older stories that were broken up by, you know, gaps of seven issues, one after the other, like, um, I don't know, the Golden Fleece that had, you know, four or five issues between each part. Why not re-release that, but in consecutive issues? So then you've got the whole lot there in one sort of collection. Or even better, use a 100-page issue and release the whole thing in one volume. Yeah. But, you know, that's a drum I've been beating for a while now. So. Um, but what's actually interesting is that there are there are other, not just the Egmont stories. Um, Brazil's released their own comics. Mm-hmm. Um, France, the France and Italy version. I think even the German publisher have done their own comics as well. So, you know, there's plenty of other, there's probably 200, another 200 comics or stories that have never been published in English before. Yeah. So there's yeah. a lot of material, potential material out there. Or maybe you just keep those for the annuals. I mm. don't know. Yeah, it'd be interesting to hear that the um, story is around having to get the rights for those sort of things. Yeah, oh, there's another question we can ask. Steve. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we'll um, move on to uh, 1699. Right. Okay, I haven't got this issue yet either, so I'll let you have the floor again. Yeah, on this I think one. this, well, at the time of this publication, I think it came out the Thursday before. Oh, okay. Um, I'll just double confirm that. Yeah, it came yeah, out good. on the 3rd of, Ju- of July. So, as of recording this, it just came out. Um, it's another story from 1987. Um, I can't remember the artist from the life of me, but I know it's, ri- um, it's written by Donny Avenue, who's a, a, a pommy guy or an English guy, but a be politically correct. Um, <laughs> but I quite enjoy the... Um, it's, a, it's a fun story. It's called The Great Race. Now, as Steve mentions in the message from the publisher, there's actually another story um, published in 1585, which was called The Great Race. Yep. So it's two stories with the same title. Um, this is it's another typical story, but of the ones that... Of the of the stories that we've um, uh, discussed today, this would be my favourite of them. Yeah. And hang on, let me rephrase this. It isn't actually done by Donny Avenue. Um, it's a bit of a boo boo from Steve. He's got it's done by Donny Avenue and it's Henry Bay's art, but it's not actually that. It's Norman Walker. And Bertil Willemson. And Ozcan Erlip. Yep. They're the creators. Now, as you can tell, we Thank have Thank you, no, Wiki, for that. <laughs> yeah, we have absolutely no idea how to pronounce some of those names. So we are sorry for all the enthusiasts and the people that we may have offended with the, our <laughs> poorly translated versions of those. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, so... Um, I, the art's the art's typical of that era, but I don't mind it. Um, and it's kind of funny, like you have. Um, so the storylines basically, you got four cousins, I guess they are. They're in a race, and the people that get to the end or get to the uh, their grandfather gets the kingdom, and so they're all related, but they're all 
they're very typical of of it's in those days as well. Like you know, like the people if you're Asian, you've got the high cheekbones and oh, yeah. uh, you know real slanty eyes, or if you're from um, uh, you know, like if you're from oh, where's some of the other places, Germany, you've got the you've got the little monocle in the eye and the um, <laughs> You know, you've got a little, you know, that it's very typical of, of the way it is, but it's um of the way people were drawn in those days. It's but it's um it's an enjoyable read. It's fast paced. Um, you know, it's going from one place to another place. There's issues and stuff happening on the way. There's some uh, good action scenes. Uh, you know, the devil attacking people and uh, you know, and stuff like that. So. You know, I, I enjoy the story a lot. Oh, cool. Um, I was just having a look on the Phantom Wiki at um, Ozkan Erlap's uh, profile on here, and he's a Turkish artist uh, and writer. And um, according to the Wiki, he's done a hell of a lot of uh, Phantom stories, 77, mm. in fact. Um, yes. I've got... I just did a quick search in my own database, and I've got three. Uh, the Old Bandar, which is 9.17. The Swamp of Horrors, which is 9.27. And The Elephant Sex, which is 9.29. Um, when I read his name, I thought, oh, I'm sure I, I recognise that. So I did a quick search, and he's now I know you know which stories he's done. His art is quite nice. It does have a very nice um, look to it. Very, very... Uh, what's the word I look for? Very um, individual look to his mm. artwork. So yeah, um, yeah, he's worth checking out his art if you haven't seen it before. Cool. Well, if that's a good story, I might have to pick that one up then next time I get to the news agent. I think a lot of his stories have been published. Um, I think there's a few of them that have been published by uh, Free, but not all of them. Now, I don't know whether that's because the previous publishers didn't like his style. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a lot of that earlier stuff that hasn't been published. So, you know, there's a, I guess that backs up our earlier discussion where there's a lot of... Um, uh, there is there's a lot of stuff out there. Material. That could be, um, yeah. yeah. Cool. So, uh, is that... That's it for the issues, I think, isn't it? Yes. Yes. got a few um, interviews and stuff lined up for some of our next podcasts. Yes, we do. Um, as long as everyone's schedules match, we should hopefully get those get those done soon. So that'll that'll be good. Um, right out. Well, I guess that will do us for episode thirteen of Expand, the Phantom Podcast. 
Um, of course, as always, you can check us out at chroniclechamber.com, which is, of course, the main website. Uh, we're also on Google Plus um, as a group. Just look for the Phantom fan page. Uh, we're on Twitter at, um, at chronicle underscore tweet. And we're on Facebook with uh, chroniclechamber.com's Phantom fan page and Phantom Collector, where you can go to show off all the things you spend your money on. And, of course, there's also uh, the site's forums as well, um, if, if you prefer forums to posting on social media. Now, there's an, one thing I will say. There's an interesting discussion that has been brewing for the last couple of months that we must uh, discuss on the podcast for one, for a good 20, 30 minutes, I reckon. Okay. Um, about the having two fandoms in one, you know, in one time, so... I think that's actually uh, yes. an interesting discussion. So we might have to see how that let that discussion peter out, and then discuss it ourselves, and use that as a good basis of you know the twos and fros and stuff. Yeah, that's a good that's a good idea. Well, guys, you um, have heard our evil plans here. So if you have your own opinions on uh, two phantoms, should there be two phantoms at one time? Should there not be two phantoms at one time? Um, send us your thoughts via any of those social media outlets we just mentioned, or, of course, you can email us at chroniclechamber at gmail.com. And, um, yeah, we'll have a look at your opinions and maybe read some out on, on the air or the internet or whatever you want to call it. Um, right, yeah, well, I think, I think that's it for this episode. Thank you again, Jermaine, for joining me. No worries. Thank you for having me, and uh, thanks for listening to everyone else. Yes, guys, thank you very much for listening, and we will be back with episode 14 in probably about two weeks' time. Bro, fellow fans, have a good one. Take you later.